Hello, hello, and welcome to the Borealis Experience. I'm your host, Aurora, and I'm very delighted to have Eric Winters with me today. We had a quick chat and, um, yeah, got to know each other a little bit. And what strikes me is that Eric is working towards, yeah, awakening and enlightenment and helping people to reconnect to their heart. Um, the most important mission and vision that I heard uh, from him today is uh, to live an authentic life. That if we don't live authentically, we will regret it one day. And um, all too often, we are not aware that we are living a life to please other people or in order to belong to a certain group of people. And then at the end of the day, when life is over, we think about what we could have done. We think about um, our passions, our desires that we neglected in order to fit in, in order to not upset our dad or our mom. And it is a, a huge awakening to be aware of this. And I'm very excited to be talking about this with Eric. Um, Would you like to invite us a little bit into your life, into your past? And, and how was your journey like? Um, were you always aware of your steps, of your choices, or did you make mistakes in the past and learn from them? Um, when did your journey of awakening start? And uh, yeah, we just go from there. My goodness, Aurora, hello from Sydney, Australia. How long do we have? Right, I'm going to try to keep this <laughs> fairly condensed. Where did my journey of awakening start? I used to live in the UK. I grew up by the seaside in England, hunting for crabs and shrimps in rock pools. I had a very happy childhood, splashing around looking for, for wildlife. And uh, ultimately I went away from home, studied and I it thought I was going to be the next David Attenborough. There's a confession, Aurora. My my mission as a child was to become the next uh, person on TV talking about little animals scurrying around in the background and to speak in soft voices about the marvels of nature. And I still love nature today. I love immersing myself in the natural world and moving through it. But I'm not You may not have seen me on any TV documentaries. Instead, what I found myself doing was moving into the world of IT. I became a computer consultant and I was working in very high pressure organizations. If you work in IT, there's generally an emergency happening. It's really one emergency after the other. So for example, we might be managing the computer system that IBM uses to help Qantas to sell airline tickets. Now, when that system stops working, there's a lot of excitement in the office. There's a lot of phones start ringing because the fines are very, very high. So I worked in a lot of places where there's very, very high pressure. I worked in Munich for three years. I worked in, in uh, Scotland for eight years, the Abu Dhabi in the United Arab Emirates in the Middle East for two years and in Australia. What I noticed was it was the same. It didn't matter which culture I was in. It didn't matter how intelligent 
and experienced people were, there were some leaders, when the pressure was on, would find the best in themselves. They could manage their minds under pressure. And not only could they get the best out of themselves, they could get the best out of others. And it was wonderful to watch. But there were other leaders just as clever, just as smart, just as experienced, who when the pressure was on, would begin to panic a little, get a little anxious as you might, but then they couldn't manage their experience and they would unfortunately infect their teams with their worry and everyone's performance would drop and problems would take seven or eight times as long to solve. And I was curious, I thought, well, hang on, what's making the difference here? This, and I discovered there's a wonderful world of science. There's been a lot of research into how we can manage our minds under pressure, how we can do that, how we can get the best out of ourselves, how we can choose to show up as the kind of people we'd really like to be when things are tough. When things are easy, it's not so hard to <laughs> make good decisions, but it's when we're all under pressure that uh, when, when things are difficult, when there's been loss, when there's been disappointment, setback, betrayal, it's under those circumstances that all of us find it harder to make good choices. And I discovered to my delight that there's a lot of different strategies that people can use. And these are skills, skills that we can all develop to get better at doing what's important, but hard. Doing what's important, but hard. And you were talking earlier on about authenticity. And this word is bandied around such a lot now. You've got to be authentic. You've got to be authentic. And it can kind of wash over you. But I'd suggest that there's actually nothing more important in life than authoring your own life. That's to say, developing the skills to decide what's important to you and authoring a life that's as close as it can be to that. I live in Australia and a, a wonderful Australian palliative care nurse, Aurora, called Bronnie Ware, was taking care of people in the last few days and weeks of their lives. And she was with people, hundreds of people, during those last days. And throughout her work, she kept hearing the same lifetime regrets again and again as people confided in her and let her know what they really regretted. And Ronnie published a book called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And the number one regret of the dying now directs my mission in life because she heard this more often than anything else. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life that others expected of me. It turns out that courage isn't something that we're born with and we've either got it or we haven't. It's something we do. It's something we do. It's a, an ability which every single one of us can get better at. We can get better at choosing to do the hard thing when it's important. And so what I do now is I go into organizations, small charities, big corporations, and I 
help professionals at all levels in organizations to develop mind skills, really, their mind skills, so that they can, one, identify what do they care about? You know, what's, what's actually really, impo really important to them? N not what their parents say, not what their culture says. And the culture has an awful lot to say about what people of a certain age, from a certain background, with a certain skin color, what they ought to aspire to. No, no, no. We, we try to tease that apart, the expectations of others, and identify, yeah, actually, what lights me up? What ignites me? What fuels me personally? So I help people to identify that and then I teach them the skills and they're just, they're just skills and we can all practice them to get better at noticing fear and discomfort and worry. What, what will someone say if I do this? If I really go for the career that I want, mm -hmm. if I really ask this person out and I risk rejection, if I attempt to learn this new, I don't know, it could be a new tech, a new skill, playing a musical instrument. What if I fail? What if others laugh? I help people to manage their minds so that they can be with anxiety and mm -hmm. fear, not to get rid of it, not to get good luck with that. Good luck getting rid of fear. But what we can do is get better at being with, not suppressing and pushing away, not exaggerating, but allowing and dialing down a little, dialing down a little, but being with fear whilst we take actions that are aligned, aligned with lives which are authentic to ourselves. That's what I... Uh, do now and that's what really drives me each day it's hugely rewarding aurora to to see people increasingly live their own lives that are true to themselves ah uh, i can imagine that yeah to see to see someone finally step up for themselves and and to mm. live their true life speak their truth is is so beautiful to to witness and what you mentioned as well is that there's a lot of fears and doubts coming up once you are on that path and to know that fear and anxiety is part of our lives i feel a lot of times we try to navigate through life avoiding these uncomfortable uh, feelings and we think this is uh, that this is success But it is not. It is pushing through, going through, allowing those feelings to be there, but not feeling dominated by these feelings and then ending up giving up. Um, what I would like to know, Eric, is um, did you notice once you started being authentic and, and living your truth that your relationships around you changed did you lose people did you gain people um how was your personal experience with becoming authentic and walking your truth mm. well i think on the the occasions in which i have conspicuously done something important that matters to me others have have noticed and have have fed back to me and said oh i wish i could do that 
for example. So I was living in Scotland for eight years and I, I loved Edinburgh and it was, but it was very cold and it was very damp and I was ready to warm up. To be quite frank, I was ready to warm up a little bit. And uh, I was offered voluntary redundancy and a lot of people saying, no, don't leave. It's a very dangerous world out there. Stay safe. Stay in the comfort zone. It's voluntary redundancy. You don't have to take it. Stay where you are. Better the devil you know. You know, better the devil you know. And now I think that was the first time I took a really bold leap. And I, I gave up my work. I had no job to go to. Uh, but I just chose, no, I'm going to step out. I, I had to make a decision quickly. I was told I had a week to decide whether or not I wanted to accept this, this little payout. And I, I did it. And I, I went off to work in the Middle East. But a lot of folks said, oh, I, I, wish, I wish I could do something like that. Start uh, afresh, go on an adventure or something. And there were a number of occasions. And you know what? I think we all model behavior all the time. I think we all underestimate just how impactful our own behaviors are to others. We underestimate our impact. We are all influencing other people every day mm -hmm. in everything we do. So if you do take a courageous move that's observed by somebody else, there's a ripple effect. It will ripple out to, to other people. And other people's acts of courage ripple towards me too. And I feel myself, you know, on, on a lake, if, when a, there's a ripple, it sort of lifts things up as the ripple goes out. It lifts everything up. On a lake, it might just be ducks. But in real life, <laughs> if you do something bold, Aurora, something courageous, uh, we're all moved by that. And we're all, as the ripple comes out, it's like we're all lifted up a little by the acts of courage of other people. So I allow myself to be lifted up when I notice other people doing courageous acts and it helps me to be a little bit more courageous. This is very beautifully said and, and I know people will understand exactly what you're saying. Sometimes though, I feel that this ripple effect of, of courage and bravery triggers people and challenges them because they don't feel like they have the same tool set as you and there's jealousy and and criticism coming up um, which is also good because then they can reflect about it and and see oh what what can I change what do I have in my power how how do you recommend dealing with people for instance you expected support from and all of a sudden you realize they are not there yet and they are not supporting your new path your courageous path yes yes and and it's almost a certainty that there will be others who disapprove yes in life there will that that's that's going to be part of taking courageous action anytime we lift ourselves up because you may be embarrassing them if you take a, a bold move you're reminding them that they are not living potentially not living a bold life that's authentic themselves so expect to annoy people but what i would say is that yeah how do we navigate that yeah and we need to resource ourselves aurora so that we have the 
the resilience and the capability to to be with this discomfort. I've, I've written a book called Swipe Right on Your Best Self. And in it, I describe the three human predicaments that if left alone will hold us all back. So it's, it's not that we're defective or flawed. <laughs> we're supposed to be fearful. And there are three human predicaments animals don't have that hold us all living smaller lives, keep us all sort of constrained and captured. But there are simple steps, and I'd like to share a few of them with, with you now, right, so people don't, don't need to get the book. Uh, but there are, there are three mindsets that if we practice them will, will enable us to be with uh, disapproval of others mm -hmm. and still be able to choose to do what's ma what matters. The first mindset that, that's so important to cultivate, let me just take a step back. All of us are, our courage is depleted by our culture. So it's my opinion that we, all of us live in a, a culture which is continually telling us that we are not enough. So if you look at advertising, what it's really saying is you aren't, look at this poster. Do you see how you're not popular enough? Do, do you see? Do you see how you're not attractive enough? Can you tell? You're not rich, you're not rich enough. Are you, are you as rich as, and popular and as attractive? <laughs> Do you have that car, that speedboat, whatever? This is how advertising works. It creates a sense of neediness and lack. So we get these messages. How often do you see an ad, Aurora? How often would you say in your life do you see <laughs> an advert promoting something that you don't have? I would say I'm uh, bombarded with those messages oh. and now social media makes it even worse. It is, it is oh. not like an ad, but it's other people and, and this creates a gap oh. between people as well, right? Because of comparison, yes. jealousy and... Well, it, it, you're so right. I think it's almost like we're being machine gunned with yeah. advertising messages. Everywhere you place your eyes, if you go outside, there'll be adverts. If you turn on your computer and your social media, yes, is not only saying, look at these things you don't have, but also look how much happier everybody else is. Yeah. You see, you're not happy enough. And you would you would be if you got us our fragrance, everything would change. If you were to get the fragrance we're selling, then suddenly you would be... <laughs> <laughs> everything would be fine and if it doesn't work initially then you haven't bought enough of it you need mm -hmm. to you need to redose so mm -hmm. the, the problem with all of this is mentally we get it we know what advertising does you know you, you look at it and you you understand but when we're exposed to advertising our conscious mind understands what they're doing but our unconscious mind believes it it drinks it in it's true i'm not that attractive yeah that does hurt a little bit it would be nice to be more popular it would be nice to have more money to be more more to be more so inevitably we feel less we feel less there's a solution to this and there are no billboards advertising it <laughs> because nobody makes money out of it. And this is ancient wisdom. Ancient, the Stoics knew this 2,000 years ago. Epictetus said, if you'd like to be happy, learn to want what you already have. 
learn to want what you already have. So I call this attitude defiant gratitude. It's defiant because the world is telling you you're not enough. You need to buy more. You need to be different. You're not enough as you are, not rich enough, popular enough, all the rest of it. So if we can appreciate what we do have in life, we're not saying that's how I'm, I'm going to stop there, but if we can just value the things that we do have, the ability, I'm talking to you and you're around the other side of the planet, Aurora. We're talking in real time. We, it's easy to take miracles for granted, but we live in a miraculous age. I can get a book out of the library for nothing, for nothing. Can you imagine how amazing that would have seen just for most of human history? Now, I know books are quite recent, but they were precious items. They were, they were like solid blocks of gold books when they first arrived. Very hard to get them. Now you can get any books you want. I've got hot and cold running water. Emperors, for most of history, have not had hot and cold running water. We live like emperors, Aurora. And we can, we do. You're Empress Aurora and Emperor Eric. <laughs> You're in charge of Canada. You're doing a good job. I'm, <laughs> I'm struggling a bit with Australia. <laughs> but we, we, all of us, we all live like uh, emperors. So let's acknowledge it. Now, by spending just a few moments each day, just, we're not talking about wallowing in this, a few moments just valuing what we already have, connections, sunlight, a roof over your head, perhaps, or maybe something to eat, a hot coffee, small things. Practicing gratitude for brief bursts actually emboldens us. We become emboldened. We're more capable to do what's difficult, even in the presence of disappro potential disapproval or anxiety. So that's the number one attitude, defiant gratitude cultivate that. The second mindset, which I encourage people and, and show people how to develop, I don't just tell people go away and get defiant gratitude. We, we have a lot, a lot of exercises. But the second mindset that we practice developing, we get better at, is one of self-compassion. And I'm very inspired by Christine Neff's work and uh, the world's leading researcher on self-compassion. And Christine shows that People who practice self-compassion are more courageous. They are bolder when we're kind to ourselves. You didn't choose Aurora to be born into a human mind, thank you very much, with worries and fears and doubts. You didn't pick your parents, I'm imagining. I'm guessing you didn't pick your parents. You might not have picked your schooling. You know, an awful lot in life we didn't choose, but bang, here we are. Oh, I've I'm in a human body, it's got a human mind, it talks a lot, it's very, very worried. Here I am. You're entitled to have a little bit of self-kindness for your predicament of being in a human body. Now, this isn't the same as letting yourself off the hook and saying, oh, I'll just indulge myself in, in chocolate and alcohol. That's not very kind. That's not a very kind thing to do to yourself. Christine talks about fierce kindness. Sometimes the kindest thing we can do to ourselves is give ourselves a kick up the butt and get out there and start doing 
things which are truly kind for us. It might be changing our diet a bit. I can confess to that. I ought to be a little bit more selective about what I'm eating during our current Sydney lockdown. Could be exercising a bit. It might be applying for a different job. I don't know what, but she says we should be practicing not just tender kindness, but a fierce kindness. Kindness is the first part, but in her her package of self-compassion, she also includes mindfulness. And she says the ability to be able to be honest with yourself about life's difficulties, not to exaggerate them and not to push them away, to, to just be honest and to hold it in balanced awareness. Actually, you know what? The thing I'm going through just now, it is tough. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Actually, these circumstances I'm going through right now, they are hard. And she says, being honest with yourself is a key component of self-compassion. It's not trying to pretend, yeah, everything's fine here. Everything's fine. And men especially, I think women increasingly, but more men are under pressure to soldier on stoically misuse of the word stoic but that's what we say soldier on i know i'm not worried i'm not worried everything's fine putting on a brave face that is a dishonest way of living and people will do that if they don't know how to be with discomfort it is possible to be with worry fear doubt anger resentment all of those things but to hold it in your hand in balanced awareness and not have it overwhelm you and have you uh, acting in unhelpful manners. So I teach people how to develop self-compassion with balanced awareness. Mm. And the final mindset that I help people to develop and show people how, and they do it in workshops, and they come back and they get better and better at this, is living with what I call courageous authenticity. So the first thing is they decide what would an, a life that was more authentic to themselves look like? What would they be doing more of? What values would they be doing more of? Maybe it's they'd be doing more learning or maybe they'd be taking care or maybe they've been putting off uh, painting in their lives. Maybe at their hearts, you know, the, their parents said they should be an accountant or a doctor and a lawyer and a lot of parents do. And uh, which is why a lot of students leave in the first, about 30% of doctors, I understand, only do it because their parents said they, they'd be really proud. We'd be so proud if you became a doctor. But it's not just medicine. A lot of people carve lives in order to please others without knowing it, without knowing it. So I help people to identify what would be a, a life that would be meaningful to you. And it might not include very much money. Actually, it might be, you know what? I just love to grow things. I adore growing things. I love using my hands. I love using my hands. I love painting or pottery or, or showing people, guiding people through cities, showing them the history. I don't know. But I help people to identify what, what brings them alive, what helps them to experience more vitality. So that's the first part, knowing what. But the second part is the courageous part. It's discovering how they can take steps that manifest or demonstrate authenticity whilst they have the discomfort. 
Mm. The worry that others might not approve, the fear that they might fail. Failure is a terrible word. The, the fear that they might get feedback that they prefer not to have. Mm-hmm. And it's a set of skills, actually doing things with discomfort. A lot of us wait. Like, I'm going to do that thing when I'm ready, they'll say. Aurora, I'm absolutely going to do this. Take, I'm going to go for that career when I'm ready. Now, what they really mean is when I'm absolutely confident that I cannot fail. Mm. And that is a, a tragic thing to do, to wait until you're ready. We need to learn to take action before we're ready. Parents are never ready for children. There would be no kids on the planet if all parents said, no, we'll we'll wait until we're we're truly prepared to raise a child. (laughs) You learn through the doing. And most of life is like that. We actually get better by doing. I I'd like, I like to say to people, I run workshops on how to write a book because I've, I've written one. And the first thing I say, which alarms people, I say to everyone is, I need you all to know, it's really important, that you cannot write a book. None of you, none of you can write a book. But I say, you don't have to. You don't have to. You just need to begin and get better. By the end, you will have written a book. But we learn to do things by going through them. Mm. yeah so that's the third mindset so that's what I teach people to do and it is so rewarding to see people cultivate greater authenticity and this is a development thing it's not like overnight you wake up and I'm now going to leave my job in finance and move to an island where I'm going to raise sheep authentically i've just developed the skills to you know we don't do that no no this is this is small incremental steps but people love progress it's progress that's rewarding Mm -hmm. not not the end point it's progress so we savor the progress Mm. so it is it is truly like such an important mission that you're on especially during COVID times now, I feel, because a lot of people have the time to reflect about the last couple years or months and, and realize, okay, what did I do with my life? Is this where I want to go back to or do I want to see life in a different way? Um, that's uh, truly inspiring. And what I love most about it is that it is very simple it is like uh, going to the gym and having to learn to strengthen a muscle that you've been neglecting or you knew uh, you you never knew you had. And people can start today. They they don't have to, I don't know, go back to university or or uh, spend a whole lot of money. There's tons of Ooh, content out no, there no. where people can learn to to train their mindset. Um. This is so, yeah, beautiful. And I'm, I'm so excited to, to be talking to you and, and connecting with you here. Um, we're slowly coming to an end here. Like time was running away quickly. I would love you to um, talk a little bit more about your book. I want to put it in the show notes, but the title of your book is going to be mm. 
speaking <laughs> to a lot of millennials out there. And um, I want to make sure that people, yeah, know about you a little more and how they can connect with you, contact you and where they can find your book. But uh, tell us a little bit more about your book. Mm. Yes, yeah, so I've titled it Swipe Right on Your Best Self, Simple Steps to a Bolder Life with Fewer Regrets. And most of us now are familiar with dating apps. It was Tinder, I think, who started this, this model of you presented with a face and a little bit of a description about someone. And if you see someone you like, you point to it and you swipe right. I actually learned, Aurora, last week that 30% of all relations relationships right now were formed online. So it's become very, very mainstream. It was a bit new and novel recently, but now it's very ordinary. People, And it's not just people we choose. We can choose pizzas on Amazon. Anything you choose, you swipe right. So swiping right means, yes, I choose that. And if you don't like it, you swipe left. In life, we spend quite a lot of time thinking about the people we'd like to, to date, to live with, to be with. But there's a person that you spend even more time with than your dating <laughs> partner. It's yourself. It's yourself. And what a lot of people don't realize is that actually we get to choose what kind of people we're going to show up as. We have choice points throughout our life. We get to decide in this interaction with someone, how am I going to be? And we get to prioritize. Actually, I'm going to be considerate or thoughtful or caring, or I'll be persuasive or I'll be encouraging. I don't know what. But different situations call for us to step up and demonstrate different skills. And it's a choice. It's a choice. So my book is about helping people to choose how they are going to be. We spend so much time thinking about what we're going to do. Oh, I've got to write this report. I've got to uh, give this talk. I've got to send this blog post. We think about the task, but we don't think very much about the how we are going to be. So that's how the book got the title. That's what it's about. I'd like to reassure your listeners that actually you don't have to buy the book in order to find out if it's of interest to you. On the very front page of my website, you can download the first 40 pages for free. And actually, you'll know after reading one page. You don't even need to read 40. I promise you'll know after reading the first page if this is a book which is going to resonate for you. You'll be able to tell from my writing style. Mm. So the, web, the website is ericwinters.com.au. Mm -hmm. If your listeners, any of your listeners, I'm sure some of them are, are based in Australia, then yes, you can get the book. If you like it, you can get the book from me by ordering it from my website. You get a signed copy. But if not, if you're in Canada, if you're in Germany, if you're in the US, you can order it from all online booksellers. It's available everywhere in, in paper form and Kindle form. If people would like to stay in touch, I would love them to connect either on LinkedIn or on Facebook. All of my talks and workshops are described on my website because this isn't, this is something I, it, it, it's my mission now is to, to share the skills. Yes, they're in a book, but we don't actually develop skills by reading. 
we 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 get a, we get a taste we get a taste oh, oh I like the taste of that we get we develop our skills by doing and there are lots of exercises in the book so people can practice by themselves but I do deliver talks and run workshops live online across the planet now helping people to develop these skills but it doesn't matter where you are uh we're wonderful to give a talk or run some workshops to an organization anywhere on the planet to help your people to live lives of greater courageous authenticity mm, such a beautiful ending to this episode and thank you so much for providing all these um yeah contact possibilities that we have to keep in touch and Yeah, I, I'm very touched by how lively and enthusiastic you are about this uh, topic around authenticity. It is truly important for people to reconnect to themselves and know that they have magical like forces and, and potential roaming inside of themselves. And they just have to learn to, yeah let it out and see it themselves, not needing other people to give them approval or anything, but to see it themselves. Thank you so much from it, the bottom of my heart to, to be here, Eric. It's a pleasure, Aurora. And thank you for the work you do in spreading important messages to a very broad community. It's been my honor. Beautiful. Thank you so much.